Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. Chapter 6 today, Acts chapter 6. So we're continuing in being multi-ethnic. Really and truly, today's um, sermon is leadership. What does uh, leadership look like? And, and, and so it really is a leadership uh, sermon. There's a few things that I need and want to pull out of here as far as how we interact uh, multi-ethnically, but the majority of this is leadership. So if you are a Christian uh, business person, uh, if you are involved in leadership in any capacity, this is a helpful uh, sermon and a helpful primer. Also, I want to put out a side note. Uh, this is shameless self-plug, but I do it for the glory of God, and so I don't mind that. Uh, I have, uh, for a long, long time, I, I coach uh, business leaders um, within our church. Uh, sometimes I speak to organizations uh, about whatever it is they do and how I can help them. And so uh, I do that. I love doing that. It's kind of a it's, it's a calling, it's a passion. And so if you're a business person and would like to talk with me about uh, uh, how I might be able to help you in that, I would love, love to do that. So give me a holler. All right, so Acts chapter 6, verse 1 is where we're going to be today. And this is the early days of the church. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. In those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews. Above Hellenistic, write Greek or Gentile. So that's so you basically you've got the 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 all of these are converts to Christianity, but you've got the Greek or the Gentiles and the uh, Hebrews, which are the, the Jews who were raised in the Jewish faith and are now become Christians. Their widows, so the uh, Hellenistic or the Greek Jews, they were complaining that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. They would give bread to widows. So the 12, that's the apostles, summoned the whole company of the disciples and they said, it would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among you men of good reputation, full of the spirit, full of wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole company. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas and Nicholas, a convert from Antioch. They had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. And so I want to look at this and first look at what's happening in this text because it's so funny. If you're a business person, if you're uh, in my world, if you've got a church and it's really growing, you're so excited. I mean, something is taking off. I mean, I remember in the early days, we were so small. You had one family come in, especially if they had like a lot of children. I mean, you were like, we were up 10% today. And it is so much fun, you know, to see growth happen, to see uh, God do something among you. That's what is happening here. In fact, 29 times in the book of Acts, it says that they uh, increased, they, that their numbers grew, that God was bringing more people among them. That is fantastic and wonderful, and you ought to celebrate that. But as soon as that happens, I love this verse because it says they were increasing in number, 
and a complaint arose. Oh, there's so many problems that come with church growth. There's so many problems that come with more people coming into our group. And there is a, a complaint that arose among this. Growth always brings uh, problems with it. Growth always brings challenges with it. And so we've got to be prepared for that as a church. You've got to be prepared for that as a family. Think about it. Think about these, these different families. So I think you saw some um, with uh, one, their first child, and then you saw one with their fifth child. Now think of the difference. I mean, you get married and everything is going so good, and then all of a sudden you have a kid. And, and I mean, they're just like a little Napoleon. They just, I mean, they just are all about them all the time. And you, you ask young parents, how you doing? Are you getting any sleep? That type of thing. And then, and then you have two kids, and you're like, it's okay. It's all right, you know? You One for you, one for for you, you do the bath, I'll do the, you know, the, the, the bedtime story, that type of thing. But, but all of the sudden with growth comes problems because if you get three kids, you've got to switch from man on man to zone defense. And so you've got to switch that around. And if you have more than three, I guarantee you at some point, the oldest child will gather the others around and go, look, listen, we outnumber them. We can, I'm telling you right now, if we riot and revolt, we can run this joint, all right? And, and they'll do that. Now, if that's one of you, if you're listening right now, if you're thinking about that, that's when the daddy steps in. The daddy says exactly this. Look, I made one of you. I'll make another one. I brought you in. I'll take you out, all right? So don't do it. Don't try it. And he's got mama's approval on that. So don't try it. But there's problems with growth. There's problems that happen as we as a church grow, uh, as you're, if you have an organization, as family, there's, there's ways that you have to address those things. So two big problems that we see in this text. Number one is the roles, the responsibilities. Who does what? Now listen, I don't think that we get the full sense in reading seven verses of how big and how much of a problem at this moment this was. This was a huge problem problem that really and truly could have sank the early church. The reason it's included in here is how they dealt with this roles and problems because they come to the, the apostles, these, these 12 men who are raised by Jesus and are preaching the word of God and they're like, hey, look, we've got uh, widows who are being taken care of, who are being overlooked, who are basically not eating for a day at a time because some of them are being overlooked. We need you to take care of this problem. I love what the apostles say here because they're like, it's not my job. It's not, I mean, I'm not, I'm not doing that, you, you know? That's, that's, I know my role. I know what I'm supposed to do. Now, we're going to take care of it, but that's not what I'm going to take care of. We've got to know our roles. We've got to know how we fit and what we are supposed to do. So when we started River Valley in the early days, I mean, everyone did everything. I mean, we, we set up the church. I don't know if you knew this, but we didn't have a building for eight and a half years I mean, we set up the church on Sunday mornings. All of us did it. None of us were like, that's not my job. I'm like, well, today it is. I mean, there would be people from time to time, they would be like, I think I'm called into the ministry. I was like, fantastic. Show up here at 7 a.m. and your ministry is cheers. You, you know, that's it. Or, I mean, that's what you're, that, that's it. Now, as you grow larger, though, you, your roles can't continue to do the same. You can't just continue to add things to it. And so the Bible says that the, 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 um, the disciples said, look, our roles have got to be prayer and 
preaching. That's what our roles have got to be. And if we go away from that, then we're not going to do as good on those things. And there's other people who can do these. So listen, if you love our church, if you love our children's ministry, and you love being in a group, and you love listening to the worship music, and you love the Bible studies in the middle of the week, the men's Bible study, the women's Bible study, and you tolerate the preaching of God's word. You're like, it needs to get better. Then the one thing that you need to pray for me to do is to be a man of prayer and that I'm in the word of God. I have trained our staff. If you ask them, what is your number one role to say, I pray. That's my number one role on staff. That's all of our staff's number one role is to pray to see God move and to have other assignments in that. So pray. Uh, I, I've told you guys this lately. Uh, ben Johnson is, is now our executive pastor. He is running our church and more and more so as we, as we uh, uh, transition that out. So uh, when, we, when we had some new staff come in, I spent quite a bit of time and I was very involved in the day-to-day -day operational things of the church um, and because I wanted to make sure our staff was indoctrinated right. I wanted to make sure that they understood the culture and, what, and how we did things. Uh, but more and more so, uh, my time is being spent in prayer and the word that that's that's what it is and i'm loving it and i want you to pray for ben he is he runs more and more of how we uh do things at the church and pray for me uh that 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 i would be a man who who really does spend a significant amount of time in the word of god significant amount of time in prayer so our roles have got to change as we grow larger the second problem that you're going to see is a systems problem how do we facilitate more and more people to make sure that every single person here is taken care of? Every single person uh, in our children's ministry is taken care of. It's got to be a systems, uh, it's got to be a different type of system that increases as we get bigger, as we get larger. The problem in this text and where we see it come in is as they were distributing um, uh, food to the widows. A widow has no family support, and a widow could not own property and could not work, and so she was totally dependent on the church. If the church didn't provide for her, she was not going to be taken care of. And we've got a few Greek widows who are, um, uh, you know, not taken care of on a day to day basis. Now, in this days, they would have had ethnic neighborhoods. And so it, it was just a systems problem. It was that, it was that as it got bigger and bigger and bigger, uh, I mean, they're trying to keep up with all of this distribution. All this bread comes in, then it goes out all these places, and they missed a few. And so probably what happened was they missed a block or a section of a Greek neighborhood. And so therefore, all of these Greek widows didn't get bread for a day or two. So they came to it, but here's where the problem was. Whoever complains at first, they don't say, hey, we've missed these over here. They say, you and intentionally miss those because they're Greek, didn't you? Now, let's think about that for a second. Insert sinister voice here. Can you imagine the disciples going, you know what we should do? <laughs> let's starve the Greek widows. <laughs> that was perfect. Oh, that's what we're going to do. I mean, that is so ridiculous in saying it uh, that, that, that it doesn't even concern that reality. The problem is, is that um, gossip can run around the world before truth gets its shoes on. 
That's true. I mean, people love negativity. People love gossip. People love to eat that up. And for someone to go, that's just not true. Yes, they did miss their meal. But it's not because of their ethnicity. It's a systems problem. And so we've got to devise something that makes sure that not only we're taking care of who's here now, but who's here tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And I find myself so many times in River Valley going through that same idea of how do we make sure that all of this gets taken care of correctly. And so uh, we've got to make, uh, be careful, be careful, be careful that we address systems, that we address growing bigger. Now, how did they do that? How did they do that? Verse 3. They say, find some men. So the answer is not more work. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a limited capacity of time. The answer is not harder work. And the answer really isn't even smarter work. The answer is more people. More people getting involved in the ministry. But look at the type of people they want in verse 3. You go and you find them. Seven men, good reputation, full of the Spirit, and full of wisdom. And so that we can appoint this duty to them. So, so these three things are what they're looking for. Number one, good reputation. We live in a world, and, uh, and Bastrop is no different, where people so closely manage their reputation. And that's not really what we need to be concerned with. Don't be concerned with crafting your reputation online. Don't be concerned with how people think of you. Be concerned with your character. Character is who you are. Reputation is what people think of you. If you are a person of integrity over a long period of time, your reputation will take care of itself. So don't worry about and don't try to craft the perfect reputation. Be a person of integrity. Be a person of honor. Now, especially in days if you're a leader, you're going to have to make some decisions that are incredibly unpopular. And it's going to hurt your reputation for a season. But if you are a person of integrity, if you are a person of character who does the right thing over a long period of time, that will come back to you in the way that it's handled. So be a person uh, who has a good reputation because they have a great character. Number two, these need to be people, these are men full of the Spirit. One of the things that, uh, if, if you heard me at the very first, I said, I will help you if you are a Christian business person. I have no desire to help businesses sell stuff. I have a desire to help Christians who are in business sell their things or do their things. There, there is a very close connection, and we've got to get uh, this through, that there's a very close connection in being a person of spiritual depth and the ability to run a great business. Those two things go hand in hand. The better that you are spiritually in the kingdom of God, the more likely you are to run your business well, to do your family life well, those type of things. In fact, one of the, the characteristics of a great pastor, it tells us, hey, here's how you find a great pastor. It says, go and look at their family. If they can't run their family well, they can't run the church well. So go and look at them. Now, I have two children. I need you to talk to only one of them, okay? The other one, the other one lies. The, uh, he, uh, he, he lies, all right? So <laughs> but but you want, you want, you want fam- I mean, you really and truly do in this respect. So, so make sure that you are full of the Spirit, that you know God. And then number three, wisdom. Wisdom, why? So that they can appoint this duty. Wisdom is different than knowledge. And we've talked a lot about this at River Valley and probably still not enough. We live in the information age. 
it is easy to find out how to do stuff. You can YouTube anything. I mean, you, anything. You, and so it is easy to know. That's knowledge. Knowledge is, is, is information. Wisdom is taking that information and doing something with it. These are people who are already working at a high capacity. These are people who are already serving in the church. It's not about knowing. It is about doing with the knowledge that you have. One of my favorite sayings of this, this current generation is, is uh, because they're, they're so, they're so uh, in tune with uh, knowledge sources. I mean, you can look up anything uh, on the Internet. I mean, you, you really you can get an education on the Internet for free. is unbelievable. But one of my favorite sayings about this generation is they know everything. They don't know how to do anything. Uh, and and the, the idea is, is they're like, oh, yeah, I know that. And you're, you're like, but, but you're not doing it. You've got to be a person of wisdom that takes that knowledge and does something with it. Now, let me show you from what just happened three really important lessons about uh, finding leaders or becoming leaders in your own life. Because here's what happens. They say the Greeks aren't getting fed. So we need to find seven men full of uh, full, a good reputation, full of the spirit, full of wisdom. And they go out and they find seven men. Most of these names are explicitly Greek. So we assume that either most of them or all of them are Greek in nature. Now, this is a church that is very ethnically diverse, very, I mean, unbelievably, probably the most of any church ever. Literally, people from all over the world came into Jerusalem and got saved at the same time. So this is an incredibly diverse church, yet they choose primarily Greeks. And so it's a, it's a statement, and they're saying, hey, we want you to know that that was not intentional. We, we, it for sure happened, but it was not intentional because they were Greeks. And so we're going to appoint Greeks to take over for this job. This is not some kind of lowered standard so that people can come in. This is higher standards. This is the Greeks fit this. We, we found seven men who are very, very uh, full of the Spirit, who have great reputations. And there's some lessons to be learned in this. And some of you, this is, this first one is fantastic. You are going to love this because you saw all these parents line up with these children this morning. And you saw them, and you, you, know, you saw, uh, hey, we're going to teach our children from the get-go. I mean, with a picture Bible about the Word of God. And you think to yourself, I didn't have that. I, my parents didn't raise me in Christianity. I came here late in life. And the Greeks are such an important picture of you. The first lesson is you can be a great Christian. You can be a great Christian. The Greeks, let's, let's look at the, think about, leave that up there. The, the Greeks were raised on books of philosophy, Plato and Aristotle and Socrates. Philosophy is I want to figure out the way the world works. The, the, the Jews, the Hebrew Jews, they were raised on the Old Testament. Most of them would have had at least the first five books memorized and so they were raised in the Word of God. And as Christians, we don't rely on philosophy. I try to figure it out. We rely on revelation. God shows me what he wants me to know. God shows me what is next. So the, so the Greeks are behind from the earliest education experiences because they don't have any uh, idea about the Old Testament. Think about the heroes. The heroes of the Greeks would have been Alexander the Great. About 300 years before this event, uh, 400 years, excuse me, uh, Alexander the Great would have 
conquered the world, would have been uh, uh, known throughout the world, brought the world together. That was their hero. Who are the heroes of the, of the Hebrew children? It's Moses and David and Elijah and Abraham, these great men of faith. And so they would have emulated, they would have wanted to be like that from the very early days. Think about the Greek culture. They would have been raised and they would have been talking about the good old days. Boy, 400 years ago, we Greeks, we, we, we ruled the world. Well, who rules the world now? The Romans. Our, our, our time has passed. What about those who accepted Christ in this text? They're living in the great days. They have just seen Jesus walk on the earth, and now they are seeing the fulfillment of the Old Testament. They are seeing the ushering in of the kingdom of God. They're not looking back and going, boy, wasn't it great back then? They're like, I can't believe I get to live right now. God is moving and doing all of these things. And yet we find these Greeks who started out with such disadvantage in, in the way that they were raised, we find them, and they are the ones who are men of integrity, men who have good reputations, men who are full of the Spirit and wisdom. And it teaches us a vital lesson, and it is you can be a great Christian. You, you are not behind. You can be a great Christian. Christian. Well, you know what? I wasn't raised in church. I didn't know much of this. You can be a great Christian. Well, I have a lot of baggage. You have no idea. You can be a great Christian. Well, I'm so young in my faith. You can be a great Christian. I'm so old. I feel like I'm past my time. You can be a great Christian. These seven names are a testimony to you that there is nothing stopping you from fully surrendering your life to Jesus Christ and seeing God explode in your life and do amazing and wonderful things. You can be a great Christian starting now. You really and truly can be a great Christian. And it's such a wonderful lesson to learn. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm not behind. Thank you, Jesus, that I don't have to look as a second-class citizen to what's going on around me. Thank you, Jesus. I want to be a true, wonderful follower of you. It's first lesson. Second lesson is that we can minister cross-culturally. We can minister cross-culturally. These men are Greeks, and they're charged with all of the food distribution to all of the widows. You can effectively minister cross-culturally. As we become a more diverse church, what I don't want us to do is all of us to come together at River Valley, but this group go over here, and 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 have all these subgroups within our church. That's, that's, not, a, that's not a New Testament church. We, the Greeks, they, they say, we'll take care of the Hebrew Jews. We'll take care, and there's way more uh, uh, diversity than that. We'll take care of those people. We can be uh, effective at administering cross-culturally. I mean, think about it. I'm, I'm the primary preacher at River Valley, and at least probably more are, of you are women. Uh, I mean, think about that. Like, that, that's an experience I've never had. I've known several women. Uh, you know, my mom was a woman. Uh, I mean, you, you know, like, I, I, but, but I don't have any idea. About, about what it's like to be a woman, but through the word of God, you can effectively minister across cultures and across ethnicities, and so they did. Number three, and here's a really important one, and this is the reason I want to teach this text, is that we want to see people of all ethnicities at all places within our church. Let me say that again. We want to see people of all ethnicities at all places within our church. So, 
um, I, call, I call some of the people who were very early on in, in helping our cult and helping our church be multi-ethnic. I call them our, um, our pioneers. They came in, and uh, I've got uh, one couple and uh, uh, talking with them, and, and she said, we came in, and the first thing you do uh, is you look around at your church for people that are like you. And she said, we were the only ones. And, and uh, I'm so thankful that they stayed. But they were pioneers. I mean, they, they, there, was, there was no one of their color that they saw at River Valley. And so they came in. And when you do that, you want to see people like you. That's why we attract so many young people because they're like, there's a lot of young people here. And, and you want to see people like that. And so we want every level of River Valley to have uh, all the levels of ethnicity. And so, in, in other words, you've got uh, people at the door greeting you that look like you. You've got people in the lobby. You've got people sitting out here. You've got people on the stage. You've got people in the office and leadership. We want every single level of River Valley to be represented by, by multi, multi ethnicities. Now, we can minister cross culturally, and that's really important. So, it's not like every uh, youth worker that we hire, we're going to, you know, find one of every ethnicity. That's not what we're going to do. But what we are going to do is what we, and we want to do is find, find people throughout um, uh, the, the world that can be a part of our staff in multi-ethnic ways. And so they'll minister well to the people of God here. And so we want to see that across, across people. And so I want, I'm going to give you a, a prayer to pray today. This is the prayer. Matthew 9, 37 through 38. Matthew 9, 37 through 38. Uh, let me read that for you. Um, there we go. Um, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. So we want to, I want you to pray for workers. I want you to pray for God to bring people out. And I want you to pray for God to bring people of all different ethnicities and nationalities. I want you to pray for people to bring different levels. Now, we want to be very clear. This is not us looking for, uh, this is uh, just like these men. This is a higher standard. We want wonderful men, wonderful women of integrity and honor among us, especially as we grow uh, in our volunteering, certainly on our staff, those type of things. So pray for wonderful men uh, and women who will come into our midst, and I want you to pray that. Also, we're right in the middle of hiring a youth minister right now. And so our youth minister is being promoted, and, and so he's handing off a really good youth ministry. Every other day, um, people who have students in youth ministry, you would like to say that they're like, hey, I'm really praying for a good one, but it's really more of a threat. They're like, hey, Josh is doing a great job. Y'all better find a good youth minister. I mean, I mean that's, that's what we hear like all the time. So no pressure. I uh, appreciate that. You, you know, we're like, well, we found Josh. We'll find the next one. All right. And, uh, and so, so pray for that. Pray, but pray that God would raise up people to send out into the harvest field. I mean, we need them from the door all the way to the stage, every place in between. In between. We need, the answer is not for, uh, for those of us who are, are already volunteering and already working hard and already serving to work harder and faster and, you know, give up family time. The answer is for more people. 
for more people to come amongst us and to serve along beside of us. Now, if that's one of you, let me show you uh, how you can sign up to serve. Um, MyRiverValley.Church slash serve. This is our website. You can sign up to serve. You can sign up to be a person. If you don't have a ministry right now, now listen, if you do have a ministry, don't go, okay, I'll take two, I'll take three, I'll take four. I, you know, my kids, it's fine. They don't need to see their dad or their mom. That's not what we're asking you to do. If you ha don't have, though, a ministry of service, this is how you sign up, and we'll get you plugged in. Listen, we're not going to ask for a blood oath on the front end for you to sign up forever, all right? We're going to ask you to go and see some ministries, talk to some people, find out, and we're going to find you a place of initial service, and then uh, that's how you, that's, that place of initial service is how you find where God is actually calling you. Let me point out the second name on this list. Stephen, uh, these men start out in food ministry, but the first two uh, become leaders in the New Testament church. Stephen goes on to be the first martyr. He is he's the first person who is killed for his faith. And he is remembered. He has one of the longest, probably the longest sermon in the Bible that's recorded. Uh, and so he is remembered forever. He is a leader in the New Testament church. The second one is Philip. Philip is an evangelist. Philip is good at bringing people to faith in Christ. And, uh, and we find out about Philip later on in, in Acts 21 that he's no longer doing food ministry and serving the widows, that he's preaching the gospel. He's the first Billy Graham, uh, if you want to think of him that way. He is, he is an evangelist. He's the only person in the Bible that's called an evangelist. And he starts out in food ministry. And so we find our ministry uh, just by starting. You're not going to find your ministry. You're not going to find your place of service by just sitting and praying about it. You're going to find your ministry in place of service by sitting and praying about it and then going and doing things and finding, and God will shift and move you a long time. Now, for some of you who have been doing that for a while um, and you want more or you want different, you can pray, God, God, show me what the next step is. Sometimes God holds that back from us for a season because he just wants us to learn to trust him every day. And he knows also probably sometimes in our heart what we're really saying is, God, I, want, I don't want to be sweeping the floors anymore. I want to be on the stage, you, you know, or I, I want to be known or recognized more. And God wants to bring that out of us. But, but pray for God. But you do it as you are moving, as you are changing. And, uh, and he will show you the next steps. Now, verse 7, what's the, what's the result of all this? They multiplied greatly. We make no bones about it at River Valley. We want to grow, 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 grow. If you're like, oh, good, I love this size of church. Enjoy it for a month because we're going to grow. Uh, if it, we want people to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad we thought that way before you came? Aren't you glad that we went to one service, two services, three services, four services? Is we bought a building here that we couldn't afford in faith. Uh, we, we scrounged, we packed in 800 people into that side of the worship center. I mean, it was, uh, it was crazy, crazy all along the way so that we could reach you. We're going to continue that, and we're going to reach new people. We want to multiply greatly. We want to make it uh, where your friends, your family, your coworkers, and your neighbors can come to faith in Jesus Christ and find a place here. So that's what happened. How did it happen? First of all, they addressed their problems by expanding their ministry. Listen, you don't have a special gift if you know we got a problem 
uh, from time to time, I've got, I, I had people, they'll come up to me and they'll point out like something really obvious, like I don't see it. Uh, you, you know, you know, you're like, y'all realize that, uh, we have no landscaping. You're like, yeah, that's, that's fine. It's, it's mowed weeds. Uh, you, you know, that kind of thing. And so, so we, we know that we have many, many things to address, but we, we are going to address those and, and, and expand our ministry. Uh, they, they multiplied greatly because they loved everyone because they loved everyone. If you don't love people that sit in the church, then you need to greatly question your salvation. The Bible says that you will know they are my disciples by their love for one another. Listen, you say, well, I prayed a prayer. I did. Listen, if you don't have love for those people who you look around and see, and I mean all of them, all of them, that God is bringing to us in celebration. Listen, then we need to make sure that your salvation is right because one of the things that God gives us in salvation is a love for the church, is a love for the people. And it is exciting to see when we love one another. Number three, they, they refuse to let race divide them either through accusation or leadership. They refuse to let race divide them. The people said, hey, this is because of, uh, you know, they're, they're Greeks. And they're, no, 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 we're going we're gonna to deal with that. My guess is, is that one of these days within the next two or three years, there's going to be a racial issue that happens somewhere in the world, uh, somewhere in America. And it's going to be the new George Floyd or what, whatever it is. And people are going to have opinions about those things. And that's fine. But what we cannot do within the church is let the people who have different opinions about something that happened somewhere else that none of us know everything that happened about it, we cannot let that divide us. We love the people in this room. We love the people that God is bringing from us to us. And those people will go out into the world and they will bring that love to our community. We really and truly believe that. And so if you're a guest here today, you're right on time. You're right on time. Because the Bible says the last thing that happened is a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. I love that. If you came today and you're a religious person, you were raised in church or you did some sort of religious act, um, you know, you were in baptism or catechism, confirmation, you were, you know, your, your, your dad or your mom was in ministry or something like that. Man, I'm so thankful that you are here. But the priest still needed to be saved. The priest still needed to know Jesus Christ as Lord. And so today, I'm not going to ask you, hey, have you done this? Have you done that? I'm going to ask you, do you love Jesus? Do you love the fact that he died on the cross for your sins? Are you enamored with the fact that he thought of you while he was suffering for your sins? Do you believe that it is not a story that we tell, but it is a truth that we believe that Christ died for our sins according to Scripture, that Christ was buried, and on the third day, on Easter Sunday, Christ came alive. He was resurrected from the dead. That is salvation. And when you believe that, and that God is the Lord of your life, you have salvation. And that salvation brings a love for the people around you. And a love for the people around us is one of the things that is most attractive to the world right now. Listen, you've got to go to River Valley. Man, they love one another. 
It is so wonderful to see what God is doing at River Valley. Let's pray. Do you know Christ as Lord? The Bible says that a great number of priests became obedient to the faith. The faith is that Jesus died, that he was buried and resurrected. We believe that. The faith is that Jesus is Lord. He's in control of our lives. The faith is that I live every moment of every day, Jesus. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to act? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? Today, if you've not become obedient to the faith, it's your moment. It's your time. God brought you here for this reason. You might have come because you just wanted to see, uh, you know, a, grand a grandchild or, or some of your kids or somebody uh, be dedicated to the Lord. But today's your day. God, use that opportunity for you to accept Christ as Lord. Just to pray, dear Jesus, come into my life. Dear Jesus, help me to be obedient to you. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you, God, that when I didn't deserve it, you thought of me on the cross. Jesus, thank you that I'm not praying right now to a dead God, but you're alive. Thank you, Jesus, for your resurrection. For the believers today, thank you, God, and I pray for a growing, multiplying church. God, I pray that you would bring the ethnicities of our town into our worship center. God, I pray that our, our worship would be a picture of heaven where every tribe, every tongue, every nation fall down before a holy God and worship Him. God, thank you that you are bringing uh, young families. Thank you that you are bringing children to faith in Jesus Christ here. We are a church with a bright future because of that. We love you, Jesus, in all that you are and all that you do. Amen. Let's stand and let's worship. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.